everyone, and welcome to That Wellness Podcast with Natalie Deering. I'm sitting here today with Dr. Tamara Rosier. Tamara is founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan, where she and her staff work with individuals with ADHD and their families to learn strategies and develop new skills to live effectively with ADHD. Dr. Rosier is also the president of the ADHD Coaches Organization and is the author of the book, Your Brain's Not Broken, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions and Life with ADHD. Welcome, Tamara, to the podcast. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited that you're here. We just were spending some time chatting before we hit record and realized that we don't live too far away from each other, that you are obviously in Michigan and I'm in Cincinnati area. And we were bonding over, I think, the the air quality that's been happening currently in yeah. our zone of geographically. Oh gosh. The fires have been just messing with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's, I really do feel like the fires that have been happening in Canada, right? Like yeah. the air quality has just been coming down our way yep. and it's just wreaking havoc on our throats and noses yep. and all of that. So, so just a quick little embarrassing thing that happened the other day, I have asthma. And so Mm. between the allergens, the air quality, you know, I'm a hot mess. (laughs) And my daughter had friends over for the weekend and we were all sitting eating breakfast and I wheezed and I thought, oh shoot, that was a loud, loud wheeze because I had forgotten to take my, um, meds that day Uh and, you know, or the inhaler. And two of the boys at the table looked up and went, oh, did you hear that cat? (laughs) And they thought my wheezy was a cat. That's how bad it was. So were you, did you play it off? Like, yeah, what was, that was a, that was a weird cat sound. (laughs) No, I leaned into the awkwardness. I I totally leaned in. I'm like, hey guys, that was my wheeze. Yeah. And then Lauren's like, mom, go take your inhaler. (laughs) Did you hear that weird so, cat? Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. oh, it's just, it's me and my nope, wheezing. Yep. I'm, I'm the weird cat. Thank you. Yep. Thank you very much. Yep. No, yep. I, I get I it. I totally yeah. steered into the skit on that one. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. <laughs> no, so. it makes it, it's just one of those funny moments where you're like, oh, wow, my body just made that sound. And that's not maybe like a normal it was, sound. It was like a high pitched <laughs> screech. And I'm like, I, I'm not even sure how I did it and I couldn't reproduce it. So uh-huh. yes. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, we were yep. so yeah, we were just bonding over our, I'm now over mine, fingers crossed, my uh I, I believe, yeah, kind of allergy attack from air quality and all the other stuff floating around in the air. So hopefully, yeah, I've got my water ready. You've got your tissues and such, and we should yep. be good. <laughs> tissues, a good cup of tea. Everything that should solve everything. Yes, exactly. Yes. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you about your book, Your Brain's Not Broken and how it's all about ADHD. And I feel like, and and you tell me this, you tell me what you think. I, I get the sense that, do you feel like ADHD is becoming a bigger thing recently? And when I say bigger thing, I mean like yeah. more people talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. So it is, and here's why. Uh, We live in a modern world and those with ADHD are finding there's a gap between us and the modern world. So ADHD has been around. Um, In my family, I can trace it back at least three generations. 
And I'm just going to give you a quick example of how I can do that. Yeah. My grandfather, born, <clears throat> I think around 1908, um, lived in the upper peninsula of uh, Michigan. Uh, his mom was from Norway. Dad was from England. And so he's an immigrant's kid living in a rural area mm -hmm. and he was left-handed. And mm. so he was, um, school wasn't for him. And back then they would just say, oh, he's just, he's, he's not book smart. Mm. So he dropped out at sixth grade to go work in the copper mines. Now the man eventually migrated down to the lower part of Michigan taught himself how to be an engineer because back in the, you know, 1920s and thirties, that's the thing one could do. Yeah. And, uh, became an engineer. Wow. So he, it wasn't that he was dumb, right. right? He thought differently. And so something I want your listeners to understand is ADHD is a cognitive difference. And so I, I'm just going to kind of, let's wrap our heads around. It's a difference. But and we're going to be talking about those differences today. But it's mm -hmm. the difference that now we live in a modern world. People can't drop out when they're in sixth grade. Yeah. And people can't just go work in a mine and teach themselves how to be engineers. No, the world is not that flexible any longer. Right. And so you can be smart with ADHD, but there's this gap. And it's the gap that hurts um, those of us with ADHD. So I think that's why it's being talked about more. Yeah. And, and do you feel like the gap, what is the gap? Is that what we'll get into in terms of when we talk about like yeah. all of the things? Of, well, you know, Natalie, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So um, I, I, I'm just going to nerd out just for a quick second yeah. and get a little technical, mm -hmm. um, but I'll come right back. Okay. Um, if your listeners tap on their forehead, right behind that area is called the prefrontal cortex. And you read the book, so you know that you know where I'm going here. Right. So the prefrontal cortex is this lovely modern amenity that tells us what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Wow, that is so nifty. Mm -hmm. And short-term memory is there. So then I remember where I parked my car. Um Today, uh, literally today, I just forget to think past the next thing. Yeah. Like I had a 9 a.m. meeting today, and then I had a 10 a.m. with you. Well, my brain, because I didn't don't often use my, or have regular use of my prefrontal cortex, thought, wait a minute, you've got to think about past nine o'clock. What are you going to do at 10 o'clock? And my brain didn't do that. So those mm -hmm. of us with limited, with ADHD, have mm -hmm. limited access to that really lovely modern part of our brain. However, fortunately for us, that prefrontal cortex doesn't store intelligence. It's just like, um, it's like a conductor or it's like in my, in my book, I call it a butler. Right. It just directs everything, keeps everything calm, says, well, why don't you do it this way? Do it this way. Right. I also kind of view so, it as like a switchboard sometimes, you know, like yeah. kind of someone's back there kind of being like, okay, this goes here and this goes there. All right. Yeah. Now I go this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's an operating system. Mm -hmm. Right. And so uh, for those of us with ADHD, we rely on a different part of our brain and that's the limbic system. So if your listeners take their hands and kind of cup them over their ear, 
you're about in the place of the limbic system. And the limbic system is kind of the seat of emotions. And it's the place of fight, flight, freeze, mm-hmm. or appease. And so a lot of us in ADHD, we find ourselves in one of those four states consistently. Yeah. And so I know there's a lot of symptoms associated with ADHD, but I have to tell you, attention is not the biggest drawback. Um, in fact, I pay attention to too many things. Right. Those of us with ADHD are watching everything. <laughs> right. I My prefrontal cortex doesn't tell me what to leave out. Okay. And so then would you say, because there's kind of this attention to everything, right. could, could that then be, I'm assuming like overwhelming, right? Or maybe overstimulating <laughs> to the brain. Oh, just a wee bit. Yeah. Right. Yes. And yeah. so then, then we can get into, right. Like how do we compensate for that? Just kind of naturally, right. The, these mm-hmm. kind of things that maybe parts of us that we would say maybe an IFS, like kind of go towards in order to help like yeah. manage. Right. And exactly. And, yeah. Okay. And just real quick. And I know we could go into all of this other stuff, but my question is like, how, what creates, I guess, the gap, you know, for people who, cause I know you mentioned in your book, like with medication, you know, that's where medication can really help with like the, the, the chemical and, and, you right. know, would you call it an imbalance or. Uh, I, yeah. It's not really an, imp- it, yeah. It's not an imbalance. It's just, yeah. Well, okay. In the technical sense. Yes. We don't have regulated dopamine that regulates uh, the prefrontal cortex. And so if you think of uh, dopamine as riders on a merry-go-round, we don't have a consistent number of riders on the merry-go-round. And so sometimes it's empty, sometimes it's jam-packed. Mm. And so it, it's not just an imbalance. It's sometimes we have too many riders. Sometimes we have too little riders. Okay. And medication helps us keep the right n- number of riders all the time. And and specifically, you're talking about dopamine. Yes, that's okay. dopamine. Okay. Um. But, you know, our serotonin can be off, our norepinephrine can be off. Um, mm-hmm. Those of us with ADHD are really sensitive to our environment. And so, uh, you know, you're in Ohio, I'm in Michigan, the seasons change. I don't know about you in Cincinnati, but I'm right next to the big lake. And so sometimes we don't see the sun mm. and I can tell it in my clients. Oh, yeah. They come in all mopey. And it's not just seasonal affective, it's it's their environment isn't telling them cues. Hey, wake your brain up. Here's the sun. Right. So we're very, very sensitive to the environment. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I probably and, answered a little bit too much in that question, but no, that was great. <laughs> no, that really is helpful for me because that was something that I was kind of like, I would love to know more about that specifically of the, the chemical stuff regarding and why is it? Yeah. That people with AD or ADHD, would you say people with ADHD or ADHD people? So yeah. Can, can we talk about dopamine for a quick second? Oh yeah. Okay. So, you know, that prefrontal cortex right behind your forehead, um, it needs dopamine, the right amount, right? The right amount of riders on that merry-go-round to sustain attention. And a lot of us, we just don't have, well, almost the definition of ADHD is we don't have the right number of riders. So sometimes some of us can look dopamine seeking. And if you have, if you know of anyone with ADHD who's dopamine seeking, 
like in families, they'll start to pick fights, mm. right? Uh, because they want to get the arousal um, mm-hmm. so that all the riders get on the merry-go-round because it feels okay. really good. Yeah. Or they'll take a risk or um, they'll do all kinds of things yeah. just to get a thrill. And that's dopamine seeking. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Others will go are so low in dopamine that they stay in a hypo arousal state and they just kind of don't do anything Yeah, because they don't have enough. You know, we tend to talk about it like it's a motivational issue. It's really a dopamine issue. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm grateful that you just described it like that because I feel like there's probably a lot of listeners that are listening to this being like, oh, (laughs) makes sense, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And so can we get into kind of that quote unquote, like basic question, but like, what is ADHD? Yeah. So ADHD is a neurological difference. The DSM, the book we use to diagnose ADHD is 25 years, 30 years behind research. Mm. And so if your listeners who happen to know the DSM, or if they took their child to the doctor and the doctor's like, this child doesn't fit. That's because the DSM is really behind and it's mm-hmm. letting down a lot of people. Yeah. So um, it'd be cool if we could just stick everyone in an fMRI and go, hey, do you have reliable access to your prefrontal cortex? Yeah. Let's just assess that. <clears throat> we can't do that. And so we do the best we can to assess it. But ADHD is a neurological difference where you rely on a different part of your brain as your primary function. Mm -hmm. In our case, it's the limbic system. So here's what it looks like. Uh, I I have ADHD. I have feelings about everything. You say anything, you show me anything, I touch anything, I have feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Because that's the first place I run it through my brain. Now there's a problem because I have big feelings about everything. Right. Or absolutely no feelings, which Mm -hmm. is apathy. Right. So uh, ADHD has a lot more to do uh, with how we're processing information than we've been led to believe in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been given kind of the prototype of a naughty third grade boy who can't sit in his seat. Right. Yeah, exactly. We think that's ADHD. And there's a lot of us out there who are grown. Um, someone someone told me uh, the other day um, that I couldn't possibly have ADHD because I have a PhD. Mm. Really? And someone said that? Yeah, it was apparent. I am just like, I tried not to like guffaw and go, are you freaking kidding me? Follow me around someday. Right. You'll but see that would me. be like, would you say that's a misunderstanding? Right. Like, about oh, it's a gross ADHD. misunderstanding. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah, I won't get into why I was able to do it. Um, but the fact is, my brain works differently. And I really would love for ADHD to be identified not as a strength, not as a weakness. It's just a cognitive difference. And how many people in the world would you say? maybe fit with yeah. ADHD, right? Like, Ugh, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the question that we're just not good at answering Yeah, because there's a lot of high functioning people who are flying under the radar. Exactly. Now I know my people 
like as soon as I meet someone, I'm like, ah, you're my people. I get it. ADHD people, by the way, know each other. It's like we're long lost kids. We can <laughs> speak easily to one another. Yeah. I would say uh, the estimates are between six and 10% of the population. And this isn't just in the US. Um, ADHD is found on every continent in every country. Right. So this isn't just this, you know, civilized, uh, middle class kind of problem that we've invented. Right. Uh, it's a neurological difference. Well, and when I read that statistic in your book, a part of me was kind of like, what? I would have guessed it would have been like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's 50-50. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> right. I, okay. So could I, could I maybe guess why you might've sure. thought that? Mm -hmm. Because there is a hereditary component to ADHD that's incredibly strong. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Barkley, a researcher, is putting up numbers that I even hate quoting because they're so extreme, but he's the real deal, guys. Um, he says that if you have a father with ADHD, the chances of that child of a child having ADHD is close to 80%. Okay. Yeah. 80%. <laughs> right. Right. Um, with a mother, I think it's between 60 and 70 high hereditary that's, rate. Yeah. That's so high. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I was, one of my clients was an anesthesiologist and she was just a guest. She says with numbers like this in medicine, we don't see numbers like this for hereditary. Mm -hmm. Why are people ringing the alarm bells over this? Right. In other words, this is a family system. Mm. Let, let's, let's help families. Um, yeah. So, cause I, I've been thinking about this too lately. As I guess in my mind, yeah, I've been thinking like, oh, it's got to be like more than like 50-50 of people who match yeah. with ADHD symptoms versus what we call like convergent or whatever. And and then I had this thought and I was like, you know, is it just, and you tell me your opinion on this, but I feel like just the way our society has created kind of these expectations of what success looks like or productivity looks like. Um, and I'm speaking more specifically about America because that's where I've lived my entire yeah. life. But these, yeah, American constructs of, again, like success and what does it look, what is the right way to be in school? You know, right. what is the right yes. way to be learning? What is the right way to be doing this and doing that? Right. And yeah. I just thought about that a lot recently and just thinking like, well, but what if that was based on just this one way of mm -hmm. of how some types of people think right and that's completely shaming and ignoring kind yeah. of this whole other big group of people that just think in another way and again it's not to say that one's yeah. good and one's bad right it's and i thought back to like back in the day of you know hunter gatherer times again right. pros and cons for all of these different ways yeah. Of being. So, yeah. So I, um, you know, it's back to my grandfather, right? I can't, I don't have a memory where my grandfather wasn't outdoors telling me about nature or reading a book. Mm. I, I still have a few of his books and he was so far ahead of his time. Like he was, he would say things to me as a 10 year old saying, Tamara, our problem's going to be selenium. We're losing selenium. Our soil quality is going down. Like he would say that to me, like, you know, back in the seventies 
And guess what? We it's have happening. A You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge problem. And it, it, you know, I always joke. I'm like, wow, this guy was so thoughtful. Remember sixth grade education. Yeah. But he would read constantly and, you know, he taught himself so well. Right. So school wasn't made for him mm-hmm. and he was left-handed, which means he had two strikes against him. Right. Right. He had the ADHD and for some reason, left-handed was a odd thing for them to handle back then. Hmm. I, so he didn't fit. And the problem, the reason why we keep seeing more and more ADHD is we're trying to make kids fit earlier. Hmm. Right. I mean, you know, there was a time when kids played outside a lot. Right. And by the way, ADHD folks in nature, there's something up regulating. We don't fully understand it. But when you put ADHD folks out in nature, it regulates their brains. Oh, yeah. Now, nature oh, doesn't completely. have to be in the middle of Yellowstone Park. Nature can just be sitting on your deck. Yeah. Or walking outside on a sidewalk. It's okay. But as when you put us outside where we can engage with natural elements, it's regulating for us. Yes. Well, there's been so many studies where I remember one in particular that was done. I think it was specifically looking at major depression and they took people who like matched with that diagnosis and then like had them go on. I think they did like a two hour excursion, just kind of like walking through nature yeah. and through the woods. And then they did yeah. uh, brain scans before and after And it was, I believe, no, I could be wrong, but I want to say it was, they were getting more access to the prefrontal cortex because they had spent so much time, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, so that makes complete sense to me Yeah. based on what you mentioned before about not being able to access. Okay. So there was also a part in our history where you could take apart technology to see how it worked, Mm -hmm. right? And all those people taking apart toasters when they were kids probably had ADHD because they're like, well, how does this work? And now we have technology. And I love, I, I work with students who build their own computers, right? That's a very ADHD type of thing to do because I'm not saying all people who build their computers are ADHD, but a lot of my clients build their own. It's because we like to know how things work, Yeah. right? But the world is so much more complex socially, emotionally, and physically. Now we have a joke in my family that, okay, we, we have an ADHD family. We have ridiculous conversations. That's my disclaimer. Okay. (laughs) But we talk about um, who's on whose zombie team. Like, you know, so if, if zombies came, Uh who do you want on your team? (laughs) And and so if we're referring to someone, I'm like, oh yeah, he'd totally be on my zombie team. (laughs) That means like we really love this person's skills. Yeah. Um, and they're usually all ADHD people. Yeah. Because you know what we're really good at? Thinking outside the box. Right. Uh, for those of you who may remember MacGyver, mm-hmm. we're born MacGyvers. Yeah. They're not elegant solutions like he had all the time. <laughs> But we love problem solving and thinking outside of the box. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I feel like it's such it's just it's I I feel sadness thinking about sometimes like the way, again, like our culture is kind of designed just again, like schools, businesses and again, just like ways that we have just offered how to be, quote unquote, successful. And it just it's not working for everybody. Right. Except we want to be careful 
because not everyone who has ADHD should go into the trades. Right. Um, I've heard that too. It's like, well, no, I'd be lousy in a trade. What I needed were professors who knew how to teach me. Exactly. So in a different lifetime, um, I was a professor and I taught teachers how to teach. And then I moved to faculty development where I taught professors how to teach. And that part of neurodivergency um, is really important. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. I, as I was reading your book, I had memories come up from my past. And one memory that I have in particular, I don't remember how old I, I was probably maybe the first grade. But I remember, you know, like we all had our desks. We're supposed to be sitting at our desks for like hours at a time as the teacher stood up there and taught. And I remember it's like a, it's a kind of broken memory. But what I do remember is deciding, you know what, I'm going to slide underneath my desk with a book that I was really interested in because I wasn't interested in what the teacher was talking about. It was, it was boring and I just wasn't into it. And so I slid, I acted like I dropped my pencil this is the first and I like slid underneath my desk and just li- and just sat under there and read my book. And then finally the teacher went, where's Natalie? And I went, oh, I'm right here. I dropped my pencil. <laughs> and- okay. That is the sweetest memory. I'm so glad you shared that. Here's the thing. Now, I just want to be clear. Are you suggesting you have ADHD? Well, and that's what I- I'm still curious about it because okay. I-, I did do an EEG recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, and we could go in a whole nother realm talking well, about okay. what and came the reason up I there. say this, I want to be clear that I'm not diagnosing you. I would su- suggest you might be one of my people, but I want to be clear to you and the listeners that I'm not saying, oh yeah, guys, she has ADHD. That's <laughs> not my place to do that in this role. But I love that you shared this memory because that's a memory of an ADHD kid. And here's, here's how the pattern goes. Huh. I'm not really fitting in right now. And I don't know what to do. And I really want to do this thing. And I think I'm just going to do it. And that's kind of the first grade kind of naivete. But by the time the child's in third grade for females, fifth grade for males, they always run behind us. You kind of feel like there's something wrong with you. Mm. So one of my memories from third grade is I literally had this thought. And now, by the way, I was a nerdy kid. I loved reading etymologies, um, you know, word histories in yeah. dictionaries. Okay, this, guys, give me a break. This was before the internet. It, <laughs> dictionaries are all I had. And so during class, I was supposed to be looking up words, but I'd start to get in etymologies. And I just I just thought it was all fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I re- really remember looking around going, how does everyone know that it's recess time? How do people know what's going to happen next? How do they remember to turn in their assignments? Like, how do they know this? Mm -hmm. Right? Well, I was realizing I don't have access to my prefrontal cortex. What to do, how to do it, when to do it. Yeah. And my family history, guess what? Both parents had ADHD. So I thought there was something wrong with my whole family. Mm. (laughs) That maybe we're just not that smart. Right? Yeah. Oh, well. And so you hear the conclusion I reached as (laughs) a little third grader reading Mm -hmm. etymologies. I just realized I must not be that smart. Right. Oh, you saying that? Oh my gosh. It's bringing up. Yeah. A lot of stuff. And cause yeah, I mean, I was always a very daydreamy kid. 
and creative. Yep. And, you know, I remember w- at one point, this was in the fourth grade. Uh, it was, again, we were learning something that I just wasn't into. <laughs> and I remember my brain was just, I, we talked kind of like the monkeys was just kind of like jumping around and like the teacher said this thing. And then my brain went to, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but then what about this? And then what about that? And then what about that? And I ended up just thinking about like the music of blues. And mm-hmm. I remember the teacher called me out and she was like, asked me a question. And I just was like, huh? Like, Oh wait, what's going on? You know? Yeah. And then she talked to my parents about it. And my mom will still tell me this story to this day. Cause she brings it up and she's like, because she remembers exactly what I told her. I don't remember it exactly, but she said that I was just like, mom, the teacher was talking about this thing. And then my brain went to this. And then I started thinking about that. And then it brought me to this. And then I was just sitting there thinking about the music of blues. And then I didn't realize, wait, what's going on when the, right. and, and I, 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 yeah, it was just, that's how, but then it made me feel, cause then I would have teachers saying to my parents in elementary school, I don't think she's smart. Right. I think she that's, needs to go. Right. Like yeah, they would. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was like, not that great. in like standardized testing because I remember sitting there being like, I don't care. And like, yeah. I would like make designs like with right. the bubbles. I, yep. And I was very, yeah, I'd love to draw. And, and I remember that stuck with me. Well, and doing my own IFS therapy, we would say there's still, you know, these exiled wounded parts within me that carry yeah. that, those feelings of like those burden beliefs of like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good right. enough, you know? Okay. And that's what we do. That's what we do when we don't see ADHD as a cognitive difference. Now let's, let's go back to that little girl was so smart and we would say metacognitively aware. In other words, aware of what she was thinking when she was thinking it. Mm-hmm. Incredibly advanced for her age, feeling dumb. Yeah. And so what happens is, and you know, I would put money on the fact that you have ADHD just from what, how you described it, not diagnosing you, but but just for to make it simple, I that's what happens though, is we start to judge the difference. Yeah. And so, you know, people who are like, ADHD is my gift. No, stop judging it. It's a cognitive difference. And when people are like, well, you know, the student's lazy. Well, what if they're not lazy? So ADHD, there's um, two different kinds of ADHD. And well, three, you know this, but I'll say this for your listeners. There's the hyperactive. And then there's kind of the hypoactive. That's what we would call inattentive. And then there's the combination. And so, um, I tend to have combination, which, you know, obviously I'm both, I could be hyper aroused or hypo aroused. Um, but, but the problem is you were hypo aroused, meaning you, the environment didn't have enough to sustain your attention. You wandered away and you followed these different paths in your head, which was okay. And, but it it was judged. Right. And you, you even tried to defend yourself by going, no, this is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And then the, your parents didn't do this, but the system said, that's not okay. You do that. Right. And you should be doing this. Yeah. And, and you're a little girl who couldn't direct her attention. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, doing the EEG that I did recently, one thing that the neurotherapist pointed out to me is she was like, 
I can see by looking at this brain wave and this part of your brain that you learn better by doing and saying and creating rather than just like taking it in. And, and I was like, oh yeah, completely. Like, (laughs) you know, so I think back to that time and, you know, me as a little kid, I, I think about like learning math that was not interesting to me at all. But I think about like, if they had made it more interactive for me, like, oh, let's stand up and like, you're this number over here and you're that number over there. All right. Now, then you move this way. Oh, I would have been so into that. But just sitting there and like listening, I, my brain just like, (laughs) yeah, I I went other uh, ways. Yeah. Uh, So ADHD folks, um, this is how I, I talk about how we learn. So, um, by the way, again, in a previous life, um, I was a high school teacher and then an educational psychology professor, not literally in a previous life, guys, just literally a previous (laughs) career. (laughs) I just heard the literal listener going, what? No, no, just in a previous career. Um, but, uh, I would take marshmallows, um, and hand them out to my class, um, when I was a professor, I said, these marshmallows represent ideas. And then we would take toothpicks and we'd stick the ideas together. Mm. And that's called schema. Well, guess what ADHD people pay attention to? The toothpicks. We pay attention to how things are connected, not the marshmallows. Yeah. So if you ever ask me about something, I can tell you how it's related to this other thing. Mm. But I may not be able to pull up the exact marshmallow because I'm like, no, no, no. Here's an interesting toothpick about this marshmallow. Yeah. And so you were a toothpick kid being handed a whole bunch of marshmallows, probably without any sticks anyway. Hmm. And you're like, what do I do with these marshmallows? Yeah. No, that again, that makes I love that metaphor. That makes a lot of sense because even in college. Uh, in order, because some of the exams of the classes that I would take, some of it would just be, you know, what, what would you call that when it's like, just kind of like memorization, or yeah. you're not even yep. learning like how it's connected. Yep. But I had yeah. to figure it out in order yep. for my brain to really take it in and really fully understand it. I couldn't just memorize, you know, because I it was like, still can't memorize, right? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, Okay. I mean, I can try to like take a snapshot picture, like if I can make it like an image and I put words in a room. Yeah. Okay, guys, I just want to, uh, to your listeners, I just want to tell you, tell them what you were doing. So ADHD people don't have um, really good short-term memory or working memory. And so what she was trying to do is hack it by going, I'm going to take a picture, click. And she was relying on a photographic part of her memory instead of short-term memory. And this is different from short-term memory. Um, Now, remember, working memory is like having a whiteboard in your brain that you can write something on and it'll stay there until it's erased. That's working memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Short-term memory is you can hold something for more than a few seconds. And our short-term memory is just ridiculously bad. Yeah. Um, It's ridiculous. Um, but it makes those, it makes everyday tasks so hard Mm -hmm. for us. Um, so anyone with ADHD has what we would call senior moments, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, seniors going, I walked in this room for something. Um, we have those all the time. So when you're trying to study, you're like, wait, what was that? Because the whiteboard keeps getting erased 
or as one of my clients says, she writes an invisible marker and yeah. so she can't see it. Right. Right. And so what did you try to do to memorize besides taking a picture? I put the, well, I put the words, like sometimes I would put an image of a word or something <clears throat> like in a room in my mind. And then that uh-huh. way I could like go into the room in my mind and be like, oh, there's like eggs on a shelf or, right. you know, there's, and I also would, I've always had to write everything down. Yeah. So Did that's you where, know yeah. about memory palace? So I taught, I used to work for a university as well. And I taught a career counseling class. And one of the things that I taught in the class was that method of loci where is that it's that whole thing, right? Where it's like picture a room, whatever that might look like. Here's this list of words. Now place those list of words in various locations of the room that makes sense for your mind. And then did you know this though, when you were studying? No. No, okay. I don't think so. I think I just did it. Okay, that's that's my point. That's how genius you had to be to look normal. I mean, can we just appreciate that for a second? Mm, yes. <laughs> Everyone else could just memorize it. You had to invent because you didn't even know that was a thing. Right. You had to invent it. And by the way, what you did is you used a different part of your brain called the DMN located right behind the prefrontal cortex. Ours is very strong and it's, it kind of competes with our prefrontal cortex a lot, but that's how genius you had to be to try to look normal. Hmm. And that's what I really want your listeners to know. Those of us with ADHD, we're hacking things left and right just to look normal. Yeah. I mean, what a genius little, little kid you were to try to study. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, for sure. And absolutely. I think back yeah. just to, yeah, all of the, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time and a lot of energy, yeah you know, studying and trying to get what we call good grades, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and it worked, you know, I, I, yeah. I was, I believe successful in what I did. I went to graduate school and, you know, and I was able yeah. to make it work. Right. But yeah, a part of me always felt like I had to do more. I had to do it a little bit differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I had to, I couldn't go study in college with my group of friends that were just like hanging and talking with each other. I had to be by myself in a private room so I could talk out loud to myself and write things out. And yeah, so. I I did too. And, you know, I was just smart enough in high school not to have to study. It just was natural. By the way, I didn't go to one of the top, high school. So my high school was easy and I was just smart enough to get B's and not have much of an issue. A couple C's crept in, but in college, I couldn't figure out why people kept going to the library. And see, this is another thing about ADHD. We, we don't understand how systems work. Mm. And so a lot of times we're feeling like we're running behind. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, well, I don't know how these people can get in a group and study. And, and it's like, why am I, I have to do it this way. Um, by the way, I just didn't find the library because I found football players instead and they were more interesting. Um, so that whole first year of college, we don't really talk about it a lot, but, um, but I didn't, I was slow to realize like, there's a way someone could study if someone studied. Yeah. And a lot of times ADHD people are slow to pick up 
like someone, someone just said to me and he sweet, sweet student. He's like, I feel like I just figured out high school and now I'm graduating. Yeah. I'm like, that's okay. The same thing's going to happen in college, bud. It's going to be okay. <laughs> um, and so those of us with ADHD up until the age around 30 run about three to four years behind, not intellectually, but in almost every other area. Mm-hmm. And it's because the leg in our prefrontal cortex compared to our peers. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And hey, now go back to the younger version of you and go, <sighs> dang, that girl really worked hard oh, to yeah. look normal. You yeah. were fighting that three-year leg. You were mm. fighting that short-term memory. You were fighting like everything. Mm-hmm. So if I see an ADHD person just pulling off normal, I'm like, you go girl. <laughs> and because I know how hard it is to look normal. Yeah. And that feels right? so validating, right? Like just to hear that, you know, I can feel that like deep within me again, connected to, I think like these deeper wounds that wounds. maybe have been there for a long time of shame, right. Of shame coming from the system and, you know, and it makes sense too. Like if your, your caregivers maybe don't understand certain extents and, right. and they're getting frustrated and, uh, but yeah, it, it's, and then I, God, you could get really, really into this. <laughs> my, my, again, my brain's like, oh, I mean, then connecting this to IFS, right. It could, because you have these wounded parts carrying shame, then we can develop these like strong protector parts that That's exactly then what happens, right? Like can then like create these other ways of like, okay, well, in order to not feel that, because that feels awful, we are going to do this. And okay. yeah, I see a lot of high functioning women who do two protective features. They increase the anxiety in order to look conscientious. And then they develop OCD like habits that actually exactly can right. be, yep. That actually, and, and, you know, this is a little controversial, but actually they are later diagnosed as having um, OCD. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but if we went back and treated the ADHD, you wouldn't need that protective part. Oh, makes so, I mean, no, not all, yeah, so much not sense. all OCD. Right. I want right. to be clear, um, but, it, but, but it could also be because this is the other thing that they saw on, on my EEG was she was like, look, again, just based on where this is activating in your brain, I can see where you're prone to anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. And OCD type behaviors like rumination and perfectionism. <laughs> okay. We perseverate like no <laughs> one's business. And, it, and that's, I mean, you know, I think I write about it a lot in my book. And by the way, as we're talking, I'm like, did I write about it in that book? Because I'm working on a new manuscript. And when I pause, I'm like, where is it in the new one? I That's my ADHD, right? Yeah, I'm writing both, but they kind of become one. Right. Yeah. Big thing. So when you hear me pause and go, oh, yeah, I think that's in my book. Yeah. Um, it's because I really do the new manuscripts. So. Yep. Yep. Um, but, but see, do you see how we, you developed a lot of protective things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is the damn shame about ADHD right now. We're missing the emotional component. Mm-hmm. We're missing that there's a whole section of ADHD people who are smart and feel like crap every day. Yes. It's because they feel that gap. Yeah. And, it, and we've been talking about that gap. And so then we develop these coping strategies mm-hmm. 
And then society's like, well, that's not normal either. Can you stop that too? And we're like, we're just trying to look normal. Right. But some of it though, and tell me if you agree with this, is rewarded. I think depending on our culture. So they're like, right. Because like if Mm -hmm. we develop kind of these, like what we'd call an IFS, like manager parts that let's say on the realm of perfectionism, then that can be rewarded to some degrees, right. In terms of like how successful you're becoming and how hard you're working in your business. And, uh, and yeah. And are, are you really good at this? Are you really good at that? And so I feel like that's a downfall too, is that some of yeah. these things can be that are stuck in these extreme protector roles because they yep. had to be at one point to adapt, but then they can be shamed and then they can yep. also be praised. But well, and I, they're some stuck. of the hardest, yeah, some of the hardest clients to work with are the high IQ young females and they're driven. I mean, these are right. the 4.5 students who will not take less. They're 4.45, right? And so they're driving themselves crazy. They're usually very thin and they're being treated for anxiety. And I'm always begging the parents, like, can we just look at ADHD? And by the way, these young women will raise their anxiety so much they can pass like a TOVA too. Uh, That's one of the screenings we use for ADHD because they just increase the anxiety so high that they could do that. The problem is they're exhausting themselves. Yeah. And th- those kids burn out and they burn out usually a sophomore year because you cannot sustain that level of intensity. Yeah. Our bodies aren't made for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. So again, but you're yeah, right. They're I, being rewarded for, yeah, I, oh, she's right. a hard worker. And, and by the way, we tend to make character traits. She's lazy or she's a hard worker. Mm. Instead of she has low arousal because of ADHD or she's hyper aroused because of ADHD. We tend to make it a character trait. Right. And then we put as humans like moral meaning on. Oh, right. Things like that. Right. Yeah. Like because we hate lazy people, but we like motivated. Yeah, exactly. And and U.S. culture loves the anxious person. Mm-hmm. At least we know they care. Right. (laughs) Brian. Yeah. So, yeah. Let me see you with all your coffees and like, you know, like, oh, you're working, 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 working. And, and man, yeah. It can lead to, again, like it can be adaptive. I feel like in some ways, right. Like in the beginning, in the beginning, those types of qualities can be adaptive. And then over time though, if they're sustained without that awareness of why, it's like that, then it's going to lead to, like you said, maybe that more extreme version of OCD, you know, and yeah, yeah, it just keeps getting sometimes (laughs) more intense, more intense. One of the ways I adapted, I'm going to share this just because I'm hoping there's not a listener that has this, but a lot of people do, is I learned to go past shame to self-loathing And I learned to literally hate myself Mm. in order to motivate myself. And it's, it's the saddest place. Um, I spent decades hating myself into performance Mm. and it wasn't until I really started to get a handle on the ADHD, started treating that, being able to see it going, oh girl, you really have beat yourself into submission. 
Mm. And in it was past shame. I mean, there is a point past shame where it just gets so dark and it eats away. And I really hate that I parented my children with my self-loathing. Mm. Now, I have wonderful children. We have great relationships. Everything's cool. I just have the parent looking back going, I could have been a happier parent for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I did the best I could. It's again, I have wonderful children, but I'm, I'm sad and I'm sad for me. Uh, Hmm. 20 something, 30 something, 40 something year old Tamara was very unhappy just because trying to beat herself into submission to be normal. Yeah. And I, I, I bet you there's at least one listener out there who has that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, it speaks to, I like to view it as like, there's this such strong resilience that we have as humans, you know, that we have these capabilities to amazing. Yeah. I mean, to adapt. And even in an IFS, we always say like, these parts of us have positive intention, Mm -hmm. but they can Mm -hmm. have a negative effect, you know, a negative impact. And, and again, so it's like having that compassion, right. For that, those parts that maybe we're just hating, right. And criticizing and shaming and self-loathing to, because they were trying to, to help, you know, they were to motivate. Yeah. So, um, my critical part is named critical Kelvin (laughs) and, um, I had to learn how to talk to critical Kelvin. Exactly. And there's times, you know, critical Kelvin shows up when I'm writing, you know, this manuscript, he'll come up, hop on my shoulder and go, Hey, you know, this, this book's already a failure, right? Or, Hey, the book, the first book did well, which means this one can't do well. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it pops up, says crap like that. And I'm like, Hey buddy, I know you're trying to motivate me. I I, I feel you, but I can't really listen to you today. So I need you to go away. Yeah. I don't yell at him. I don't hate him. He he really, he's that mean kid who's trying to use sarcasm to tell you that he likes you. Yeah. Right? And I have that kind of compassion. I'm like, not today, Kelvin. Yeah. And that I, every once in yes. a while, I'll, I'll slip and say it out loud and people will be like, what was that? I'm like, nothing, <laughs> nothing. I'm talking to my part, Kelvin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's... And I think that that level of awareness is really important, right? And you talk about that in regards to identifying these monkeys, these, I think in this book, you mentioned them as monsters, you know, but we could just say parts, right? Like these protector parts, like identifying these protector parts within us that, because again, if we're not bringing awareness to them, if we're not turning towards them, if we're not naming them, if we're not, you know, like Mm -hmm. you mentioned the book, noticing them. Like, how does Calvin feel? Like, how do I notice Calvin in my body, you know, from the top of my head to the tips of my toes, you know, because then you can start building a relationship with Calvin, right? Well, and Calvin's, by the way, Calvin's working on behalf of all the other voices, right? Not literal voices, but um, parts voices. Right. Um, Where Calvin's like, hey, I hear anxious Amy over there. She's getting pretty whipped up. And I see disorganized Derek over there and he's making a mess. So I'm going to step in, talk for all of them because this is getting out of hand. So he, he was trying to do his job. Yeah. And frankly, I don't know if I'd have a PhD 
without him because I did it when my ADHD wasn't treated. Right. Right. I'd go running at night after writing my dissertation all day. Um, I had a summer to write it, you know, between summer, you know, uh, classes at uh, university. And I would just run up this long hill crying. And I'd be like, this dissertation is not going to beat me today. Not today. And it's because that's the best I could do to let out the emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know I had critical Calvin at that point. Yeah. But I, I knew I was, something was really wrong. Right. So, because yeah, when we're in that, and we would say blended state, right? Like, yep. The critical yep. part is there. It's activated. It's like we're blended with that energy. And then we're also blended with the parts of us that are feeling that impact from critical cabin, right? So feeling the shame, yeah. feeling the self-loathing, oh, feeling yeah. the sadness, feeling the anxiety, right? And then it's like, but if there's not awareness of what are all of these parts within me being activated, then we're just, right. we can just yeah. become this hot mess, <laughs> Yep, you know, that yeah. can either then like have a lot of anxiety or we haven't talked about, we can briefly touch on like the other uh, avoidance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Where it can be like, okay, well, I'm just not going to do it. And right. not to say that that's always what it sounds like and maybe consciously in someone's mind, right? But this avoidance that's along with the anxiety, procrastination, oh, anger is another one that mm-hmm. you mentioned. Yeah. The shame, so- self-loathing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, um, you just mentioned the bad tools uh, that I write about in the book that we use to motivate ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we motivate ourselves with anxiety, right? We scare ourselves out of bed. We actually motivate ourselves with avoidance. Um, Russ Ramsey calls it procrastivity. So I'm not going to study for my test. I'm going to clean my sock drawer. Yeah. Right. And look how beautiful my sock drawer is. It's lovely. I have all the blue socks here. I have all the green socks here. And, And literally I have students who will do that. Mm-hmm. And that's avoidance. And in other words, I used my, of you know, strong avoidance of this task to get something else done. Right. And we do that quite often. Yeah. So, um, but we motivate ourselves emotionally, right? We're moved right back to the limbic system. Whereas the prefrontal cortex would go, hey, um, I have this nifty button in my brain. It's called the just do it button. We'll just press that. And neurotypical people gosh, darn it. They just press that button and it gets done. It's the weirdest thing to watch. The rest of us are like, Hmm, we're method actors. What's my motivation? (laughs) And we're like, okay, I don't really want to do it. We run the logarithm for this. We're like, Nope, I definitely don't want to do this. And so we tend to try to motivate ourselves emotionally to get things done. Yeah. Makes One of my sense. clients last week um, said, oh, I had to finish writing this. So I wouldn't let myself go to the bathroom for an hour. And I'm like, well, okay, uh, let's not keep doing that because you're going to get a bladder infection. But, but do you hear what she was doing? The intention, um, right? Like the intention yeah. is. Well, actually um, bladder, when you, when you like don't use the restroom, that increases anxiety. Mm, right think about the last time you had to use the restroom (laughs) and you're feeling very anxious right or um if you're sleeping and you're dreaming you have anxious dreams yeah she was hijacking that anxious feeling Mm. and she knew it's from her bladder being full and she just needed to finish it it's amazing right i mean again so smart and yeah and that's what i'm saying like 
my clients are, I, I love my clients so much. They are working hard just to look normal. Mm. And in just to look normal in a world that is demanding a lot of prefrontal cortex activity. Yeah. Right. You put us back a hundred years and we look more than normal. <laughs> right. We look like the weird inventors. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the inventors had ADHD going way back. Da Vinci, mm. that, that weird genius mm-hmm. totally had ADHD. Yeah. <laughs> He's the poster child. So, so you know, we do have this like wonderful brain. It's just society demands that we're using it one way. Exactly. And by the way, let's talk about the one way societies getting up on time, leaving the house on time. Look, guys, I'm not talking rocket science stuff. We have hard time with the easiest, dumbest things, <laughs> right? <laughs> and of course, you know, I don't know about you, but how many times you actually leave the house? That's called a failed launch. Yes. At oh, least that's yeah. what we call it. Um, mm-hmm. In other words, like you get, you make it to the car, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my wallet's inside. Oh, yeah. You run inside. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I forgot this. And you go back inside. You go back inside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also Ugh. driving, driving away and going down the street and then realizing and be like, oh crap, you got to go back, you yeah. know, or, I, yeah. and I think you wrote about this too in your book, correct me if I'm wrong, but even if there's like a part of you that maybe develops in terms of, oh, I got to get there super early. Right. Cause yeah. I have, I have that one where it's like, oh no, 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 yeah. I need to leave like 45 minutes early. And that way I know I'm going to get there 20 minutes early and I can like yeah. sit there in my car and like, look at the building, you know, yeah. and like, know that I am here. I can see it. I know where I need to be go, you know, like that. I feel like that. So, <laughs> um, I, I saw, um, a client for the first time last week and he walks in and he's early and I make a mental note. I'm like, oh, he's early. He has anxiety. And so in my head, I'm like, find out if he has anxiety just over this meeting or if it's a lifestyle. Mm. Because when ADHD people are on time, it's about anxiety mm. because oh, yeah, our brain so doesn't know yes. when to leave. Yes. So you have to concoct all this other mm-hmm. uh, Rube Goldberg kind of machine to get there early. Yes. And and notice like that's that's the thing. It's just easier just to leave and show up. Mm-hmm. I, my daughter is home from college. She's my only neurotypical daughter, meaning she doesn't have ADHD. I just watch how easy her life is where she just knows how to get ready and leave. She's not dramatic about it. There's no drama. She just leaves on time. Yeah. Do you know what I do? I'm a grown woman who still, I have to set one alarm to wake up. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, those of us with ADHD have reverse sleep cycles. So we usually wake up in our deepest part of our sleep, which means it takes us truly 45 minutes to become coherent. So I need to allow that. Then I need to have a time when I need to leave my bathroom to go to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then I need a 10 minute alarm to go, you should be heading towards the door now. Mm-hmm. I need alarms to keep telling me why I don't have that prefrontal cortex activity doing it for me. 
Yeah. Um, something else also conveniently located in that prefrontal cortex is an internal watch. And so those of us with ADHD, we don't have that watch to look at. And so we have to stimulate our brain somehow. Yeah. I will say, and because I've always said this to my husband, I feel like, and again, this could be coming from like a strong manager part within me that developed this, but I've always said to him, I am actually very good at time because I feel like there's this part of me that will maybe obsessively look at the clock. Okay. Well, okay. That's different then, right? <laughs> that's, that's no, that's not the internal chronometer I'm talking about. Right. That's, that's, you're going, oh crap, I'm in time and space and dimension. Okay. Okay. What time? What time? <laughs> yeah. What time? And, and I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying. No, I understand. See, there yes. are people that walk among us who just understand how time passes. Yeah. And if you have ADHD, time, time passes based on if it's fun or not. Mm. So mm-hmm. if I'm having fun, a few minutes have passed. If it's boring, it's lasting way longer. That's how my, that's how oh, yeah. I tell time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Other people just tell time as a construct. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing to really be around those people, but they yeah. walk among us. We call yeah. them neurotypicals. <laughs> By the way, um, funny thing, a lot of ADHD folks don't really know they're left from right. And when I say that to my clients, they're like, yeah, I do. And then they hold up both hands and they look at the L. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not knowing it. You had to take a second. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. That's something interesting because I completely resonate with that. My husband constantly is like, what is wrong with you (laughs) when it comes to, because I will, I will say like, oh, go left. But I mean for him to turn right? Right. And then he gets so frustrated. And then I'm like, wait, oh, sorry. I'm, you know, oh yeah. So that's so interesting to hear. Yeah. I Google Maps has saved our marriage because of that. Oh yeah. Because (laughs) yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you ask me to look over my shoulder at my right, what the damn hell is that? I don't, that's, (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Sorry. (laughs) That's just, and so yes, um, it is a real problem. Not every person with ADHD has that but there is a glitch in the prefrontal cortex um, <laughs> that, and, and by the way, it's, it's uh, my clients will go, oh, I know my left from right. And I'm like, yes, but it takes you a fraction of a second. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. See other people just know it. Yeah. And every time I have to go, yep, this one. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and so <laughs> here's the thing. We, we have all kinds of glitches that make us feel really stupid uh-huh. because how stupid do you feel? When you get flustered and he's like, just tell me, is it right or left? Mm-hmm. And you're like this way. <laughs> oh, well, he always jokes. Cause now I just point. I do too. I do too. <laughs> yes. Yep. I point yeah. and I don't say anything. And if he's driving, he's like, I can't, uh, what, which way are you pointing? And I'll be yeah. like, and then I have to think about it. Cause I'll be pointing yep. and then I'll be yep. like, it's right. <laughs> yep. It, it is, is literally <laughs> easier for me to define North, South, East, West. Yes. Um, yes. See, <laughs> and, and, and here's the yes. thing. That's, that's a nature bound thing. Uh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Right? right. So if I'm like, well, the, the sun's always setting this side. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of orient ourselves in nature. We can yeah. do that. Absolutely. But, so we have, we have these ADHD glitches, but intelligence is not tied to those glitches. 
But do you see how we go through our daily life? We're bad at the easy stuff. Yeah. Really bad. And by the way, for those listeners who have um, kiddos with ADHD, memorizing the times tables. Um, I I can't tell you how long I still, you know, the nine to- the nine oh, trick that, that with your a- fingers. <laughs> yeah. Nine oh. times seven, I'd always pause and uh-huh. then do the finger thing, right? That was my nightmare, like as like in elementary school yeah. was when they would whip out those flashcard stuff. I'd be like, my brain would just be like, what? And these kids, some of them would just be like, bam, 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 yeah. bam, bam. And I, yeah, I felt stupid because I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not getting this in this way. Right. But I still, to this day, I have to use my fingers, Yeah. you know, and, and that makes sense yeah. to me Yeah. and, or so, like drawing things out in the air. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so Here's the thing, um, K through 12 is heavy emphasis on prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. College has, has, is much more a deep, you know, deeper learning, yeah. uh, you know, applied learning. I'm very good at statistics, mm. which is higher level theoretical mathematics. Right. And I also have machines to actually do the calculation work, but I'm good at the logic part of it and the reasoning. Mm -hmm. I'm bad at the quantitative. And I always thought I was bad at math. Yeah. No, I was bad at basic math. Mm. Do you see how like we just don't fit well in a lot of places? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, it's interesting because a lot of the times, you know, people in my life will say things to me like, you remind me a lot of like Phoebe from Friends, you know, and oh, I hate that. <laughs> well, yes. and so like a part of me will think that's cute. I love the yep. show Friends. I love every me character. Too. And but, I- but there's a part of me that yep. also goes, man, but she's so they make her appear stupid and like flighty and Mm -hmm. disorganized. And that activates these manager parts within me that are like, what? Oh no, I'm not. (laughs) That can look exactly. That can look a lot like sometimes Monica, you know, Mm kind of this more anxious uh, perfection, you know, Mm -hmm. type energy. That's exactly it. it. You know, it's funny. I have the same thing, but with Amy Poehler, Mm. Um, people were like, you know, you remind me of Amy Poehler. And I would go, ah, frickle frackle. They're talking about my ADHD. Yeah. Especially when I, you know, I'm speaking to large groups. I'll always go for the joke. Mm-hmm. Because if I could get a crowd to laugh, do you know what a dopamine rush that is? <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I've learned to be yeah. funny when I speak because I'm like, woohoo, dopamine hit. Do it again. Yeah. Um, And I know that they're talking about an ADHD part of me when they say, oh yeah. Well, that just came to me as in our conversation over the past hour or so is like, wow, yeah, they're, they were addressing the ADHD, you know? And that in itself is just, this conversation has been so eye-opening for me. So thank you so much. Oh, I'm grateful. Yeah. Thank you so much for, yeah, your willingness to just, just talk and, and to kind of go through these amazing points about ADHD. And I feel like the listeners 
I'm going to bet they're listening to this. A majority of them being like, wow, I, I, I just feel like probably some of their minds are maybe exploding. And I'm hopefully for some people, whether they're neurotypical or divergent thinking that they're they can relate to this or at least have some understanding and then access yeah. compassion rather than being a part yeah. of that shaming culture or criticizing. And yeah. Can I give your listener a quick test? Yeah. Um, If you were listening to the two of us talk about, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, I get this. I get this. You might go get tested for ADHD if you don't know you have it. If you were going, wait, she didn't even finish her sentence. Where's that going? You're probably neurotypical, but you probably know someone with ADHD. And so, because you and I had a very, for us, a very natural conversation and we link up very easily. And so if you have a neurotypical person listening, going, I kind of felt on the outside looking in, trust that feeling. You're probably neurotypical. Mm. If you felt like you were on the inside listening, then you're, you know, just check out the whole ADHD thing. Yeah. And by the way, I, that's how my ADHD people describe their ADHD. I feel like I'm always on the outside looking in. Mm. Mm-hmm. So today we gave the inside version for your ADHD <laughs> listeners and the outside version for your non-ADHD. I love it. That's a great way. I, I love what you just said. So thank you for sharing that with the listeners and and with me, because yeah, again, it's just this whole time, this whole conversation. I've just had parts of me just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel seen, you know? Oh, good. So yeah, I'm you know, very grateful. I, I wrote the whole book as a love letter to clients that I'll never meet Mm. because I know the pain of having ADHD and I'm tired of it being talked about like, Oh, squirrel, or, Oh, look how ditzy you are. You're an Mm -hmm. airhead. Um, that's what I was called in high school. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's a sadness we carry. And so I wrote your brain's not broken as a message to everyone saying it's okay. Oh yeah. We're quirky as all get out. I'm not denying any of that. (laughs) (laughs) And I love the quirkiness, you know, and I can, I I have a lot of love for. Oh, I'm amused as heck about the quirkiness, (laughs) right? (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. And before we end, uh, how can people connect with your services? Find, find you website, anything uh, like that. So I'm not taking new clients. Um, I've got this little manuscript to tidy up and get off to the publisher. Um, but uh, you can find us at uh, www.mi, M is in Michigan, iadhd.com. And we have excellent coaches and therapists. Our therapists can't work across state lines because of licensure, mm-hmm. but coaches, uh, we meet with people around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or my author site is TamaraRosier.com. I will put all of that in the show notes so people can have an easy find and click for those. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tamara, again, so much. And I'm excited when your new book is out uh, and we'll have to meet again and talk yeah, more. Well, thanks. I'll be relieved <laughs> when it's out. I'll just like <laughs> any, any projection of when it could be out. Oh yeah. Um, it's all contractual. So okay. you're like, yes, uh, I know exactly. What it's gonna be yes, up. I know exactly. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, so it will be out for readers 
September of 2024. Great. And by the way, for the listener who is like, oh, you have plenty of time. No, I have to have it to the publisher a year in advance because they do all their magic in that year. So yeah. Yeah. So I've got to get my stuff together. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, do I have anxiety? Yes, girl. (laughs) Is it motivating you? (laughs) Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Well, so excited to read it. And again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. And I will for sure have you on again, if you are willing, and we'll keep talking about all this stuff. Absolutely anytime. Really anytime. All right. Okay. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.